This episode contains spoilers for the movie Last Christmas and Book Club. If you have not seen these movies, then by all means, skip this episode until you've seen them. Thank you. Hey now, we're doing it live. You're listening to the Julio from New York Show 2.0, episode 119, Last Christmas and Book Club. This here is my audio diaries where I rant, I rave, I reminisce, and I spew whatever is on my mind. Today's episode, a little bit of what I've been doing, some new things with the mixer board, movies of course, and some news. If this is your cup of tea, by all means, sit back, relax, and unwind. Otherwise, there are plenty of podcasts for you to listen to. So yeah, this will probably be a good, lengthy podcast. We'll, we'll see what happens. Heart and soul of New York City. Yeah, we'll see what happens when uh, when we get to it. I'm trying something different, and uh, I'll, more on that when the music stops. Which will be right about now, soon. And welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm your host, Julio from New York. And we got the we got the applause going. We're using the mixer board. Now, normally when I do a recording, I like I said, I use Audacity. So normally when I use Audacity, I like to input the track, the theme track into the into the into audacity and then i hit play and I, I record a second track with my voice well this time around i'm i'm using the buttons on the mixer board for all the sound effects you know the ones where we get all the laugh and the rim shot you know and all that good stuff and i input it my theme music on the mixer board so i figured let me press the theme song and then record all of it in one track just to see how it sounds and how it comes out so this will be an experimental episode so to speak Anyways, uh, as I mentioned, this is, uh, you know, recorded live on Friday, January 10th, 2020. And um, I'm still under the weather. My nose is still runny, unfortunately. My throat's kind of not really scratchy, but not 100%. I, I feel kind of like I have a sore throat. It's weird. It's, it's an odd feeling. And I don't like it. Uh, no, sir, I don't like it. But here we are. And uh, that's where we are. And of course, uh, mentioning the mixer board, I found some sound cues for for news and for the entertainment section of the show. So uh, for today's episode, we're going to get right on it. We're going to start with the news. All right, that's going to be the sound effect for news, the segue, if you will. Anyways, I haven't really been following the news since my winter break. I, I've been hearing it a little bit here and there. You, you can't avoid it. For instance, you know, we assassinated this General Soleimani from Iran, and there's a possibility of a, of a war happening again, another one for the U.S. with Iran. So far, that seems to have sort of uh, settled down a little bit they the iranians attacked unmanned bases in iraq 
that were, you know, U.S. unmanned bases. But they also accidentally shot down a plane coming from, I want to say the Ukraine. I, I'm not, I'm not in on all the details. But anyways, that's not really a part of the news segment. I got, I got a couple of articles from New York Times, uh, just three for today, a political one, a economical one, and an opinion piece. So let's get right in on it. So the first one is about the House. And the headline is, Pelosi alerts House to be ready to send impeachment articles next week. So yes, that's what I was talking about all those times when I was... Uh, badly describing the whole impeachment process. So there are articles of impeachment that the House voted on, but they haven't yet sent them to the Senate for the actual trial. And it's been a bit of a cat and mouse game with the House and the Senate, because as we all know, the Senate is run by McConnell and the Republicans, whereas the House is Pelosi and the Democrats. And of course, the Republicans, which is Trump's party, they are going to just try to dismiss it if they can and avoid a trial altogether. They want to completely discredit it and uh, falsely malign it and make it, you know, well, the whole thing's a circus, but they're, you know, they're protecting their butts. And uh, so th that's part of the reason why Pelosi hasn't sent the articles just yet because she's trying to get some... Um, She's trying to get a deal going, so to speak. She wants to get some contingency. She wants to be able to have witnesses in the trial. She wants to know exactly what rules are going to be with the trial so that she can prepare for it and have her legal team set up a strong case to present. But of course, that's not what McConnell wants to do. She wants He wants to, from the little bits and pieces that I've seen, they want to do a, wit a witness-less trial. So they're not going to be able to bring in anybody to testify against Trump or for Trump, or whatever. There really can't be anyone to testify for Trump because there's there's nothing that they can um, say in honesty that would defend Trump's crimes. So they just want to go ahead and attack the procedure and or, or the process. And what better way to do it than to give them, you know, a defanged process, if you will. They want to completely take away any of their weapons. No, no witnesses, no testimonies, just like some bare facts and the, the vote and then show, well, look, the Republicans obviously unanimously voted against this trial and you guys vote. If you did not have the majority, this wouldn't have happened. So we dismiss it because we have the majority here. Some, some, some stupid, weak defense. But anyway, this article, I'm not going to read it to you, obviously, because that, that would just take up too much time. But it, it, it is basically what the headline says. He, she sent a letter to the rest of the House that they're going to now proceed finally with the uh, the process. They're going to send the articles to the to the Senate uh, sometime next week, and it was you know it was sent this uh, Friday morning. So by the end of uh, well the end of this week, they're going to set up a the thing next week. So that's essentially all all the articles talking about. Anyway, on to the next story. Here's an economic article. After a decade of hiring, plenty of jobs, but raises are tiny. And again, no surprise, because as, as a lot of people have said or, or read or, or, or uh, cited, unemployment is low, but most of these jobs are minimum wage jobs. And so if most jobs, most new jobs that, are peop that people are getting are minimum wage jobs, it stands to reason that there are not going to be many raises involved either. 
And so this article is essentially just a, what's the word I'm looking for? Not an, well, an aggregate. It's an aggregation of all the jobs that have happened in 2019, putting them together, coming up with a estimate and showing that, yeah, there are no raises. Or if there are, it's like one to 2%, not a lot, and not really helping the economy along. And as the article goes further, there was, there was a, let me see a, there's a quote here I want to read from this article. And of course, all the hyperlinks to these articles will be, will be on the show notes. So here's the, uh, here's the quotation I want to use. Something that the Fed has been humbled by is how little wage acceleration there's been, Mrs. Swan- Ms. Swank said, referring to the Federal Reserve. So, and above that, quote was uh, another paragraph showing that uh, consumer spending is a pillar of the economy and it depends on income growth. Over the past 12 months, wages grew just 2.9%. That was substantially below the 3.3% average in 2018. So yes, uh, no surprise there. I myself got very little. I didn't get much of a bump in my raise, but also I'm working less hours than I have last year. Last year, well, most of last year, I was full-time until I transition to part-time because I went back to school in January. Actually, so all of, okay, I'm thinking of 2018. So 20 for the year of 2019, I went back to school on the 25th of January, 2019. That was my first semester, which was last semester, which was, well, no, two semesters ago, spring, but of course the beginning of 2019. So I became part-time. So for 2018, obviously I was full-time and yes, I've gotten a raise since then, but now instead of working 40 hours a week, I'm lucky if I work 20. I usually work 16, if that much, a week. So that's a huge cut in how much money is coming my way. So it stands to reason that I'm scraping by even more so now than I ever have in the past. But uh, but them's the breaks. And of course, finally, the opinion, the op-ed, Black Britons know why Meghan Markle wants out. So this was a big thing in the news. I haven't really followed it too much. I'm not a big on the royal family. I'm not from England anyway, so why would I care? We're in the US. We don't have royalty. And this is a dying tradition that I think should just die out altogether because we don't live in in, you know, a feudal world anymore. We live in a we live in the not the dawn, but the adolescency of the industrial age. We Capitalism is the base model, which I hope gets replaced by socialism, but that's another story. Point is, we have governments that supposedly supposedly represent the people. We have republics. We have democracies. That's the, that is what the majority of the world is run under. It's run under some form of democracy or a republic, which means, you know, the leaders of said countries are elected into office. They're not born into it like the monarchy. And of course, England has also a democratic government now. They have a parliamentary system and uh, the royalty there are just figureheads. But for whatever reason, it's somehow written in the in their laws or whatever. They still have to be looking. They still have to be looked on, looked, looked upon seriously. They still collect taxes for their income, for their stipend, if you will. And it's kind of ridiculous. But anyway, Meghan Markle and her husband, Prince uh, Harry, I want to say. I read the article and, yeah, Prince Harry. They are um, stepping down from their 
from their duties as royalty. Well, she's an American citizen, but she married into it. So anyway, let me just read the thing. In a statement released this week, the couple said they want to carve out a progressive new role within the royal family and will step and will step back as senior members and work to become financially independent. And then the article goes further on to speak about the racism that's going on in that country and how since Meghan Markle married into the royal family, she's been getting all kinds of unnecessary criticism. A lot of it was the bulk of the criticism was racism. It was racist in nature, but it was it was what's the word? It was it was masked. That's the word. It was masked racism. And um, they've been slowly cutting their, their ties from the royal structure, the, the, the dynamics of the structure. And one of the things that the article goes into is when whenever a royal family has a child, they like to give their child a title. And of course, uh, that is not what happened in this case. Mar uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry did not, they opted out of giving their child a title. Archie, that's the kid's name. Um, secondly, they also go into like all the other criticisms that would happen that had happened were uh, when she made an editorial in uh, in British Vogue, she got roundly condemned. But when Kate Middleton and and Prince uh, William, or whatever the Charles, I should say, uh, they did not get criticized. But she got criticized, and the only difference between the two, well, one not being that she wasn't born royalty to begin with, but she's black. So so now, um, so yeah, they decided to step down, to try to get themselves out of the limelight, get themselves out of uh, responsibilities that are tied to ro to the royal family, to Buckingham, to, to Buckingham Palace, I should say. And they're going to try to be financially independent, as the um, as their press release states. So, more props to them. I, I, for one, am all in favor of all of royalty stepping down and becoming private citizens, like the like they should, because there's no need for them anymore. But I'm glad for her, especially considering what she's going through. I, I haven't really been paying attention. I mean, we don't. We're not. Well, I never follow the royal any news about royalty. I rarely follow news on celebrities for that matter. So yeah, I'm not into gossip. It's just not my thing. So uh, if you know if she's really suffering in the spotlight because of marrying into this completely overexposed family, then, then by all means, you know, more power to her. She, she has that right. And also she's an American citizen. If she wants, she can just flee here to the, back to the States uh, they obviously have money. They can afford it. And uh, yeah, more power to her. And uh, that's it for the news chunk. All right, let's uh, close it out with another hearing of the news chunk song. <laughs> And we are back. And now another one because we're going to do movie time. Movie 
Okay. So the two movies I saw since the last recording was Last Christmas and Book Club. I've been wanting to watch Last Christmas for a while. Um, when I was actually with the ex, we want that that was going to be one of the movies we wanted to see for the Christmas holidays, and of course that didn't happen. But I have a copy of it, and I decided to finally watch it. And I thought it was going to be a romance comedy. That's what I thought. I thought it was going to be one of those bad rom coms. Based on the trailer, it looked like that, and it was actually not the case. It was it was disguised as a rom com, but it really was it was a comedy. And it was more of a uh, heartfelt, it was more of a heartfelt feel-good movie. It's about this girl uh, played by, and forgive me, I don't know her name, but the girl who plays uh, the Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, uh, whatever her name is, she is uh, this woman who had a, uh, a heart operation. They don't really go into details of what kind of health condition she had that spurned this uh, heart operation, but whatever. She survived the heart operation. She got her heart replaced and she hasn't felt the same ever since. And apparently before the surgery, she was this very good natured, high spirited, wonderful person to be around. But after the operation, she just became a alcoholic, a very miserable, selfish person who's still trying to pursue a career in singing and uh, just not caring about other people's lives that she uh, has affected with her selfish ways, like, you know, because she also doesn't want to stay at her house because she has a, a strained relationship with her family, with her mother specifically, who's always pouring on the guilt and suffocating her with overbearing love. And uh, so she keeps couch uh, surfing from one friend's house to the next. And because of her selfish ways, she keeps getting kicked out of and losing those friendships because of her, like I mentioned, her selfishness. Like in one case, she was blow drying her hair in the living room and then she inadvertently kills the fish because she misplaces the hair dryer and it falls into the tank and kills the fish. And another one, she destroyed this guy's uh, model ships, but the friend gave her a second chance and she went and did it again. Also, she wouldn't eat with them because the food was not to her taste. She wanted to go get drunk and whatnot. So she leaves and she comes back in the morning because she stayed out all night. And, you know, very, very self-destructive behavior. So anyway, out of nowhere comes this Asian guy who I thought was going to be some kind of angel character or just this odd love interest. And at first, she, you know, she thinks he's a weirdo or whatever, but she lets him into her, her life and, uh, you know, he starts showing her different things, different uh, perspectives on life, but also different parts of, of England that she had no idea. I believe they live in the, the setting was London. But anyway, she finds he uh, leads her to this secret park where people, um, you know, keep, you know, I guess they share their secrets with each other. One, um, I, I can't even remember the stories, actually. But anyways. So she becomes part of this little community. She also starts helping the homeless because uh, apparently this guy worked there, or so she thought, but she could never find him. And um, as she starts falling in love with the guy, he starts disappearing. So you start wondering why. Like he kissed her and then he had this weird face. Like he kissed her to sleep and then he had like this sad face on and then he like completely disappeared. And then she finally finds him at the park without trying. At that point, she, she wasn't trying to look for him anymore. She just went to the park inadvertently and they met up. And uh, he was trying to let her down easy. 
so you think but he she doesn't let him continue what he's trying to say so she leaves she's like you know what i'm, I'm starting to heal i'm starting to feel better about myself i'm getting in a good place and uh, i can't put myself through this right now um and, and walks away and then she um well now that she's not seeking that guy anymore she's starting to do other things with her life she's she's helping the homeless more she's you know singing outside of the the church where the homeless congregate and collecting money to bring to uh, that homeless shelter to help out with their finances she's um helping out the boss of the store owner that she works of the retail shop that she works at hook up with her love interest she starts making amends with all her friends that she has hurt, including her sister. So she's atoning for her sins, her past sins or whatever, and just doing like these little sweet good deeds. And then finally, she decides, you know what, let me let me see this guy one more time. I know where he lives now. And so he goes, she goes to this place and there's a guy there, not 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 the guy that she's interested in, but some other guy. Apparently, he's a real estate agent. He's trying to rent out the he's trying to lease out the apartment. And she finds out there's no no one has been there for a while. And this guy, Tom Webster, yeah, he doesn't know any guy by that name. But there was a person named Webster who used to own this place, but he died. And that's the revelation. The this guy that she was seeing was uh, was is dead. So it wasn't really a ghost, but basically, I guess it was sort of the personification of her heart, his heart that got transplanted transplanted into her body so now they're they're sharing the same body essentially so like she's started hallucinating this guy so to speak it was sort of like a magical kind of thing and it, it, it goes to all these articles of people who when they get organ transplants they start adopting uh, tastes or preferences or habits of the previous owner of that organ and this was sort of taking that that um not knowledge but what's the word i'm looking for but anyway it, it's sort of taking that idea there we go it's taking that idea about you know these stories that you've read or heard or seen or at least i have about people who when they have organ transplants they start adopting these habits of the person who owned the original organ that got transplanted into you and in this case they're using it as like a it, basically this conscious was created this hallucination of this person of tom webster who is dead but in her body uh who's helping her straighten out her life and then of course now that she realizes this you know she's crying horribly like because she's like wow this no wonder that totally makes sense why he was he was not letting me down easy he he just can't be with me because he's not here he's inside of me well a part of him is his heart is inside of me and and this movie actually caught me off it, it, it like it really, it really made me all tear felt, and I actually started. Well, of course, I, I cried, but um, even the very next day, like I started because they, because uh, apparently, what's his name? George Michaels is the um, the guy who sings Last Christmas, the guy from Wham, the guy who says uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." Anyways, uh, him, the a lot of his songs were in this movie because uh, the character, the Khaleesi girl, her uh, Amelia Clark, that's her name, Amelia Clark. Um, Amelia Clark is a big fan of George Michael's. And so she was always singing Last Christmas. They kept playing Last Christmas throughout the whole movie. And anyways, um, so like the very following morning, I would start humming Last Christmas and then I would, then I would start tearing up again because I would remember the movie. So it, it really did affect me in that way. It was it's interesting. It could be because I'm sick. Maybe um, I'm a little uh, 
um, unprotected, <laughs> so to speak. I'm, I'm unguarded because of uh, I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable right now. And so this movie snuck in and, and got me. But yeah, it was really it was a really cool concept. It was heartfelt. I loved it. It was well done. And of course, I'm a big Michelle Yeoh fan who's in the movie. She's the the owner of this Christmas shop that Amelia Clark Clark's character works at. So um, so it was a fun movie. And of course, the next one I actually saw last night, Book Club. It's a movie that I've wanted to see for a while now. It came out in 2018. And, you know, it has a lot of old character, a lot of old actresses. Candace Bergen, Diane Keaton, um, Andy Garcia, Craig T. Nelson. The other two actresses I can't think of. Uh, let me see. Candace Bergen. Well, three women. Um, the third one, sh something S Mary Stanston or something like that. I, I don't remember. But anyway, um, Alicia Silverstone plays Diane Keaton's daughter along with this other girl from the league. I forget her name, but she's married to Mark Duplass. And um, it's a movie about these these three women. Oh, and Don Johnson. Don Johnson's in the movie as well. So it's a cast of old folk. I'm a sucker for rom-coms or comedies with old people in them, especially when they're old actors slash actresses that I grew up on. And so, you know, Don Johnson, definitely. I was never really a big Candace Bergen fan, but she was in that show on CBS, Not Designing Women. It was a show about the news. I forget what it's called. I, I watched it every so often. It was well done. But anyway, but Diane Keaton's kind of cool. Oh, uh, Bridget Fonda? I think Bridget Fonda is the other one from Grace and Frankie. She's in it. Another good actress. So Bridget Fonda, Diane Keaton, those are the two. Uh, so it was four women. Uh, Don Johnson, Craig T. Nelson. She's married. He's married. To, his character was married to uh, the girl's name, who I don't remember, Mary Stansden or Strensden or, or something to that effect. And uh, yeah, a big, a well-known, um, Richard Dreyfuss is in it. And um, the guy who made the movie Dinner with Andre, I always forget his name, but he's also in The Princess Bride, and his name always escapes me. But he's a he's a fun actor that I like I like uh, I like watching. Anyways, back to the movie. The movie's about these four women. They grew up together. They created this uh, book club since their college days, and it was a way for them to to meet up on a weekly or monthly basis to catch up with their lives as well as uh, well read these books, uh, share a book in common to expand their minds, expand their horizons and just discuss it. And so Candace Bergen's character, she became a, uh, a, a justice, a federal, federal, federal judge. Bridget Fonda became this giant hotelier. She owns a bunch of hotels in Florida and that's her career. Diane Keenan got married, had Elise Silverstone and that other woman whose name I forget, who's married to Mark Duplass and she had a good family and then her husband died. Oh, yeah, Candace Bergen's character's divorce. She hasn't been with anyone for 18 months. Bridget Fonda's character is a uh, heartbreaker. Whoa, here she comes. She's a she's a man-eater. She's a man-eater. That's the word I'm looking for. So basically, she goes from one man to the next. Don Johnson was a young love insurance of hers from the college days, but he uh, they never got married because uh, she rejected her his proposal. And went on his man, her man-eating ways. He uh, went to do whatever. And um, but now he's back. They they bumped into each other and they started dating. Craig T. Nelson was married to that other woman whose name I can't remember, and they supposedly had this wonderful marriage going on. But 
Ever since his retirement party, he's been having doubts of himself and their sex life took a hit in the last six months of their of the storyline. So anyway, they uh, they usually read books that are, that are like self-help, very and very intellectual and or inspirational. But this time around, Bridget Fonda's characters, it was her turn to bring a book and she's like the sex crazed one. So she brings six uh the shades of gray series the first book she brings the first book i forget what the first book is called but anyway they all at first are aghast like wait this isn't an intellectual book this is we're supposed to read things that are intellectual and stimulating she's like well this book is definitely stimulating ha ha joke joke whatnot and uh yeah let's give it a rim shot all right and um so anyway they all start reading it they all get sucked into it they like it it's it's sexy it's exciting and so the next person up, she brings in the second book. I think it was Diane Keaton's character. And then the third uh, person brings in the third book, Candace Bergen, shockingly, who was against it from the beginning and kept poo-pooing the whole idea. But she's the one who's like, no, we have to finish the series. So they all get into it. And of course, they all have their separate love um, relationships going on. Like, as I mentioned, Candace Bergen's divorced for 18 months. Her husband is dating a younger woman. But she starts finally dating on... She's using Bumble. They incorrectly represent it, but it's fine. Whatever. I don't care. And she's her first date is Richard Dreyfuss. It went well. Her next date is with the guy from The Princess Bride, whose name I can't remember. And um, and she's about to give it up, but she decides, no, I'm going to give it a chance at the end of it. Bridget Fonda, you know, she starts falling for Don Johnson. And the, the fact of the matter is it, it, comes, it becomes revealed that she's always loved him. She never not loved him. But she was always afraid. She's always afraid to commit to love because of the high percentage of it failing. You know, most marriages end in divorce. So statistically, it would be against her best interest to get married. But anyway, she decides. Well, towards the end of it, you know, she gets married. And, and by the way, these are all spoilers if you haven't seen this movies, any of these movies. But whatever, they get. Uh, they decide to to give it a shot. They don't get married in the movie, obviously, but it, it's implied that that's something down the future they are going to commit to, to each other diane keaton obviously she's the widow and her daughters are overly protective and they want her to move to where they live in arizona and they wanted her to move into their house in the basement and uh, they're very they're highly anxious worry warts who are about to have kids of their own and they're treating her like a kid essentially and she just goes along with the flow until she meets Andy Garcia's character. And she's like, oh, I'm starting to feel alive again. And towards the end, she finally decides, you know what? I, I do deserve to be happy. I can't just keep pleasing everyone around me so they're happy because well, uh, I have my own happiness that I need to pursue. And of course, the, the other one, the other couple, the, the one with Craig T. Nelson and the girl whose name I can't remember, he eventually finally confesses why he has been acting the way he has and and it justifies why she's becoming irrational and trying to force things like get her like uh, slip Viagra in his drink and stuff so that they can get their sex life going again. And he, he confesses that, you know, it's just because he's been um, he's been having doubts about himself. But at the end, he decides, you know what, um, he, but he gets over it or whatever. And uh, their love life is uh, back to where to where it's always been. So they're they're the happy couple. And that's essentially it. It was a fun movie. I liked it. It was cute. It's old people. And um, it was a fun rom-com. And it was good seeing another perspective on people's reaction to the Shades of Grey series. I read them. 
they're okay. They're not great, but whatever. These are older people, I guess. And for them, it's scandalous. And that's what made it so fun for them or whatever. But yeah, I, I give them good rentals. They're good home rentals for sure. That That's the rating I give them. It's definitely a home rental worthy selection. And that is all I have for this. Uh, you know, let's end that segment. Alrighty. So um, that's all the show we have for today. This These uh, segment songs are actually padding my time. <laughs> so we'll see if this keeps happening. But anyways, if you have any questions, comments, what have you, you can always reach me at juliofromnewyorkshow.com. Click on the contact section of the website and reach me there. Or you can find me on Twitter at juliofromny. And of course, yeah, that's pretty much it. So Thank you for listening.